Yes, hi. I am calling this number because I saw it on a bathroom wall. Um, seeing if you're Brandy. I'm Brandy Lucas, and this is Brandy is Going to Hell. My taste in music is all over the shop, and it's the driving force behind this show. I will be bringing you music updates and chats with artists that you won't hear anywhere else. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. I remember uh, sending him these two songs and the next day I get these emails from Todd Ogren, you know, I'm like, holy shit. And he's like, dude, you got to call me now. Dude, when are you going to wake up? We got to talk about these songs. And like, he was immediately stoked. Well, what was cool is waking up on a Sunday morning and I get this text message from Chris and he's like, here's a file. Todd just threw down some keys on one of our songs. And I'm like, okay, go throw that on and listen to it and have your mind blown on a Sunday morning. I'm Brandy Luke. And that was The Penitent Man, a desert blues stoner rock band from Salt Lake City. In this episode, Chris Garrido, Alan Davidson, and I chat about the authenticity of writing music for yourself. Working with Todd Ogren for new music on Legends of the Desert Volume 2 and Album Number 2. And we nerd out over Led Zeppelin. Hello, hello. Fresh off my 31st birthday, I'm delivering you the rock and roll goods this week. I'm so happy to share that I have the penitent man on the show, who was referenced by Todd Ogren back in February on episode 14 of Brandy is Going to Hell. You can check out my podcast everywhere podcasts are heard. Just type in Brandy is Going to Hell and you'll find it, even on YouTube. I've been so hyped about this episode because I've been talking to Chris and the Penitent Man for a few weeks now, planning this interview around the pre-order of their new music featuring Todd Ogren for Desert Records' Legends of the Desert Volume 2, due this June 4th, and available now for pre-order on the Penitent Man's Bandcamp. Hold on tight before we jump into everything Penitent Man, I'm going to highlight some of my favorite new releases. French psych rockers La Femme released their latest album, Paradigms. Or is it Paradigms? I'm not sure. It's French. (laughs) I love French music. This modern band with a retro feel is quite huge in France. This album is particularly an American road trip fantasy with titles touching on stops in the U.S. and is overall a chill trip. Post and instrumental rock outfit Godspeed You Black Emperor from Montreal released God's Pee at State's End. And yeah, it's a rad follow-up to their 2017 release. The scene involved me listening to the album front to back in bed on another planet. Five out of five stars. Okay, okay, okay. This next band I've been obsessed over for the past six months to a year. Not really counting, though. This band is called Dry Cleaning, and they're from South London. Florence Shaw's alluring vocals pulls you in, lays down some wit and sass, and leaves you with a smirk. From the moment I heard them, my gut said, whoa, this is the reincarnation of the Long Blondes, which was a band I was obsessed with in 2007-2008 when they released only two albums, then disbanded after a band member had a health complication. They were way before their time, and the fact that I can get a pinch of their vibe via dry cleaning means so much to me. Dry Cleaning just released their debut, New Long Leg, and if you're up for something a little different and a little weird, give it a whirl. I had to do take over take on this next one because of my American accent versus my husband in the next room who's English. Anyway, I'm going to say it how I want to say it. Newcastle Upon Tyne's Du Blonde released their third album, Homecoming, and this glamorous pop punk album houses garage riffs, badassery, personal battles, and attitude. It's also worth noting a few collabs on the record, which includes Ezra Furman, Shirley Manson, and Andy Bell. This is going to be a little harsh and then turn into praise, but nothing about Scottish indie rock band The Snuts is super original, but that's fine. Catchy listens, good feels. I'd say they're the 2021 indie rock child if The Steeples, Arctic Monkeys, Ed Sheeran, and Oasis boned in the backseat of a car. Giggity. 
Their debut album, WL, was released this April and scored a UK number one album after a close battle with Demi Lovato. And now, it's time for The Penitent Man. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. It touches on some sentimental moments and stories, how the Penitent Man formed from a secret band, and new tunage from the band featuring Todd Ogren, the keyboardist for Rival Sons. Hello. Hey, what's up? How are you? How are you? All right. I feel like we're friends already because I've DM'd Chris so much and texted him so much, like best friends. <laughs> we are friends. We're family. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending that package again. I was like oh, so touched by it and I'm stoked that we're here right now. Very honored to be here. So thanks for having us. And of course, yeah, glad to glad to get some merch out there. So thank you so much for joining me uh, to talk about everything the Penitent Man has going on. Can you please introduce both of yourselves so everybody in podcast land and knows who you are, name and your role in the band. My name is Alan, and I am the singer of The Penitent Man. Uh, my name is Chris Garrido, and I play drums in The Penitent Man. So a month ago, I found out about your band through having Todd Ogren on my podcast, uh, where he talked about working with you during the pandemic. There's yeah. a lot of ground to cover. You just launched a pre-order for Legends of the Desert Volume 2 through Desert Records, and premiered Rest My Weary Head, which is one of three songs on that release through Metal Injection. So let's start with Rest My Weary Head. Todd's keys really pairs well with your voice, Alan, when his solo makes his entrance around the four minute mark. And then Todd goes full on mad scientist. Can yeah. you, yeah, yeah, it's super rad, right? Uh, can yeah. you talk a little bit about what this song means to you and how the collaboration with Todd came about? And I know you know, I like to ask what it means to you because I'm a very, I love reading lyrics and books. And I did that when you sent me your self-titled, uh, but I can't do that right now. So I just want to hear more about the song personally. So I would say that Rest My Weary Head was kind of like a, um, it was like a personal reflection on my soul. It was just me kind of doing, uh, doing an inventory on myself mm -hmm. and uh, just dealing with the emotions that I have a hard time with, you know, personally in my life. Um, I try to bring that into my the music to kind of be therapy for myself, um, selfishly. But I also hope that it you know inspires other people you know to kind of feel what I'm feeling and and those emotions that I kind of had and and hopefully it helps as it's, it's just kind of a a, a hand offering to to people. Great, and then well said. Thank you. Yeah, sir. yeah. <laughs> how um, did this all come about with Todd? And even go in depth about how long have you had these songs in the can and, and all that jazz too. Yeah, so uh, I'll take this one with uh, Rest My Weary Head specifically. So kind of the Reader's Digest version, we, Alan actually came to uh, practice back in July of, of last year. So during the pandemic, we like very rarely got together. Uh, so we we had an opportunity to jam and Alan had the the acoustic little ditty uh, that he, you know, he threw out there and we just kind of played that once through and I was like, this is going to be something super special. So uh, as we were, you know, kind of separated through the pandemic trying to record, we, uh, you know, we have a lot of home st uh, studio equipment. So we would, you know, bounce tracks back and forth, uh, uh, you know, between us. And this was one of them that we were, uh, you know, working with. So, uh, the opportunity to, to put, uh, you know, a couple of tracks on, uh, this legends of the desert came up and, you know, for me, the real cool thing with this, I got to kind of, uh, you know, play a producer role, uh, a little bit more than I, uh, normally have in the past. Uh, you know, so, so on top of playing drums, I was able to, you know, kind of structured things uh, as I kind of heard the song in my head, because again, Alan brought it to the table. And and I, I think at the time he didn't think it was good enough. And I was like, damn, we're, we're fucking making the song a song. So, you know, again, kind of going back, it was, uh, you know, we had this opportunity to, to throw these songs on uh, this, this album, uh, this split. And 
we were, you know, kind of in the middle of, of doing some pre-production for album two, which we already have tons of phenomenal yes. tracks. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> they're, they're there in the bag. So we, we were like, what tracks do we have in the can, so to speak, that wouldn't necessarily fit on the album, but would fit on this compilation? So Rest My Weary Head was one, and then we had uh, this other track that uh, we'll talk about a little bit later that we were uh, planning on putting on it originally. And then Todd, uh, you know, this opportunity to work with Todd kind of fell in our lap. And, you know, a little backstory with me, I'm uh, I'm a huge, huge Rival Sons fan. Uh, Phil, the guitar player, uh, you know, huge, huge Sons fan. So... We, uh, you know, we've we've been to multiple shows. We followed them from the from the beginning, you know, to be able to play these songs or have an opportunity to to have Todd check them out was was super special. Um, on a personal note, I lost my son uh, in a car accident uh, a couple of years, or actually a couple of months before he was uh, 18 years old. And when I got up to speak at his funeral. Um, I didn't know what to say. So I, I recited the lyrics to Jordan, uh, which is a song by Rival Sons. So, you know, tying back to, to that from a, you know, a personal level as, you know, how much it meant for me to, to have an opportunity to talk music with him first and foremost. And I remember, you know, I sent him these two tracks that we had and sent him a, an Instagram message and was like, hey, this is who we are. You know, we're uh, a band based out of Salt Lake City got two tracks would love for you to check them out. And, you know, we kind of talked shop just a, you know, a little bit. And I remember uh, sending him these two songs and the next day I, I check my email and he, I get these emails from Todd Ogren, you know, I'm like, Holy shit. And he's like, dude, check your email now, dude, you got to call me now, dude, when are you going to wake up? We got to talk about these songs. And like, he was immediately, stoked on on this one song uh, in particular uh and he threw down some stuff on that uh this other song was it's called red giant star and we're gonna we're gonna release that a little bit differently but he threw down some amazing amazing keys on that and he like right out of the gate was immediately stoked um That's so- oh sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, that's so awesome. Uh, thank you so much for bringing up that very full circle moment um, around your personal tragedy. It's such a beautiful and heartwarming story. And Todd is such a freaking great guy. And like his oh. response to your email, just like everything about this just warms my freaking heart. And I love, thank you. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just like had to get that oh, out in the no. universe. So thank you for that. <laughs> I and I, you know, I get a little emotional because it means a lot. Like it mm. really it really does and uh you know i got the opportunity to meet the bands uh right before the pandemic uh at the will turn i i you know fate happened to just i was able to go backstage and tell jay our story and you know really be able to to leave that personal note with them and they were they were honored with that so you know really just totally became full circle going back to you know these other tracks we uh you know, sent him through to through to Todd, and you know, threw down the the most amazing key solo on on "Rest My Weary Head." And you know, I've had personal conversations with him. Uh, you know, and and he's fucking proud of that, and the the guy should be fucking proud of that solo because goddamn, it is cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it's 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 on a piece of work that we got to create. You know, as a band and having his stamp on there and sharing it with, uh, you know, people like, you know, everybody in the industry, you know, Don Airy, I know he's, he's sent some stuff Mm. to him and it's just, it's, it's cool that, you know, we, we get to really allow him to showcase his talents. And we, we just said, Hey dude, open slate, whatever you want. Well, what was cool is, you know, waking up on a Sunday morning and I get this text message from Chris and he's like, Here's a file. Todd just threw down some keys on one of our songs. And I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) Okay. Go throw that on and listen to it and have your mind blown on a Sunday morning, listening to, you know, this amazing artist playing on your music that, you know, who would ever think that this would even happen. Every text I get from Todd on my phone, I'm like, God, it it was, it's like a kid on Christmas morning. Yeah. 
Like now, giddy, this right? One gonna be now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even, you know, on top of that, like I've I've developed a fucking phenomenal relationship with him. He's a he's a solid man. And, you know, even just on a personal note, you know, outside of playing on these tracks, you know, we we have badass conversations about life. So he's he's an awesome dude and uh amazing musician. So yeah. Great. So, yeah. So also on Legends of the Desert the is The Butcher, which you're if you're a Penitent Man fan, you've heard at Live at Pale Horse Sound. And I'm lucky that I got to hear the studio version because um, I'm special and you sent it to me. So thank you for sharing that. What made you snatch that particular one from your live album to put on Legends of the Desert? I think it was originally when we were writing the song Red Giant Star, we were originally going to be putting that on the Legends of the Desert record until Todd came to us and said, you guys need to hold on to that song for right now and put that in your back pocket. And so it was kind of like a quick scramble of what are we going to put in its place? Um, what do we have that's finished enough that we can quickly put in its place? And so we decided, I think we can do the butcher. And so it's a great song. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's I actually, love that. Uh, it's actually, so as we were writing album two, it was going to be part of album two and it's uh part of a three-part trilogy you know not that we write trilogy or mm -hmm. things like that that just kind of happen it's that within way. the band we write these concept albums that no one ever hears about yeah oh yeah. man come on no. <laughs> 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 but yeah that uh that's that song in particular is part of a, a three three-piece set so uh maybe further down the line when we do our greatest hits albums when we're yeah, we've created. Seventy, we, we'll yeah. uh, we'll throw those three together. <laughs> we we've created this lore around this butcher character, and that's kind of where what drives that song, and what was kind of driving the next album. Um, so maybe one day it'll see the light of day, you know, as far as what what goes on with that story. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, are you sharing another song from the compilation before it's released on June fourth, or are you just sharing "Rest Your Weary Head" with us for now? Uh, I'm going to just mix it up and probably do, you know, little snippets okay. here and maybe we'll throw it out there for a little limited release and yeah. pull it back in. But we're going to work on some snippets this week of, of some of the other tunes, a little bit, a little right. bit longer sneak previews. Cool. Little teases. And then how did, uh, your relationship with Desert Records come about? And then this compilation album with, uh, sorry, I do not know how to pronounce it. Is it Cortez or Cortege or... I I've heard Cortez. Okay. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cortez is, is how I say yeah, it. Yeah, that's how I was going to say it too. But then I'm like, oh, I always pronounce everything wrong. I guess it's my South Jersey, Philly thing. <laughs> no, cool. Yeah, with uh, with Desert Records. So last March, we put out our, our first self-title release. We just put that out independently. Uh, you know, we tracked it independently um so we did all the recording in-house we just went and had it mixed and mastered by uh counterpoint studios terrence really rad dude here so um where was i going with that as far as so you're talking about the penitent man releasing your self-titled debut oh, self -titled. yep <laughs> all right i'm back it's all good uh, last march yeah last march we put it out i was just uh you know randomly shooting emails off to various different uh you know people in the industry like uh you know labels things of that nature and uh you know people who do uh reviews and and whatnot and i forgot who i sent an email to but uh i got a response back and said hey you know you got some great stuff you should uh hit up desert records and you know kind of made that connection there so reached out to uh to brad and uh you know his group and we had uh right at that time just released our uh live at pale horse sound so that came about really uh just kind of in a strange way we were itching to play you know a show and we saw a couple of uh local bands do you know a live stream similar to what we were thinking of doing so we we hooked up with pale horse went in and we you know we said we wanted to do it a little bit different we didn't want to you know throw donation things up there we just really want to play and but we want to treat it like it's us jamming 
you know, and so we decided to face kind of inward in a, you know, how we jam in our, in our studios here and whatnot. And those songs we, we had just written and, and had recently only played, uh, you know, a handful of times, but anyways, so that, uh, that just came off as, as kind of a fluke when we decided to just put a digital release out on that. So going back to the desert record component, you know, we had those two albums that, you know, were, were there and, we decided to do a little licensing agreement with uh, Brad and his team. And, you know, he was able to use some of his, uh, his connections and, and whatnot. And, you know, again, with just some additional push, that's uh, how we kind of connected with that. And this happened to, you know, several months after our, our individual releases. So it was kind of a challenge, you know, joining this, this uh, label and that entity, how we promote something that was already put out. So, um, you know, going back to, to Legends of the Desert, you know, Brad was like, I really want to do it the right way and and whatnot and, and give you guys a proper release and things of that nature. So uh, he said, I've got this band from uh, Austin, Texas that, uh, you know, I've got their, their stuff in the can ready to go. You know, great band, uh, all instrumental. And which was a little intimidating because I was sitting there going, you know, I'm going to be the only vocalist on this record. Like, that's yeah. it. Well, you I'm- nailed it. <laughs> Love uh, your. Oh, yeah, was- I, I dig your vocals big time. So, yeah, it's, it's a good it's a good balance, though, you know, with an instrumental yeah. band and then, you know, having some vocals. Plus, yeah, you guys are yeah. predominantly instrumental and still use, until you start singing. You know, you got long ass songs. <laughs> long songs. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, Alan, Alan is a, he's a phenomenal vocalist. So to, to have wave that flag of being the only vocalist on this, this compilation is pretty cool. So he did it well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, back to that, Brad had this, uh, this band and we, you know, he approached us and again, we had these two tracks that we were originally going to put on it and, you know, kind of took a little left turn, but we came right back in with these other two songs. So, uh, as you mentioned, The Butcher, and then uh, another song called A A Long Deep Breath of Sadness. Which is actually the longest title, but the shortest song. Yeah, Yeah, I noticed that one was the shortest. (laughs) Cool. Do you want to talk a little bit about that um, before it's released, too? So, you know, people can kick back to this and reflect. A Long Deep Breath of Sadness? Um, it is a really kind of, it's a short tune. It's like what, four minutes, four minutes, yeah, about four minutes. Um, it's, it's basically, uh, it's like a really basic song of just guitar and vocal. And then Todd came in and brought in some keys on it that just really kind of sent it the way we wanted it to go. It's just another, you know, self-reflection kind of, you know, when it comes to writing the songs and writing the lyrics, um, I, uh, I kind of like people to take the music and then, you know, it's like that old thing that they say, you know, when you give art away, show art to the world, it's no longer yours. And so I kind of want it to be theirs and, and I want people to interpret it however they want to interpret it and just kind of get what they want out of it. And of course, it's going to have that personal meaning to me. But, you know, that's kind of how I w- like to to do do the music but yeah and another cool thing on that track is uh we kind of mix it up with uh with instruments so ethan my brother who plays bass he actually plays uh guitar on that track and then uh i don't play drums on that so i have uh you know when we play live when we're we're not touring the world with todd uh and i'll have to step in on the keys uh you know, it just kind of gets me off the drum kit and allows me to do something a little bit different. So I, I kind of, uh, I, I play the the keys on that song too. So. Yeah, we try to we try to be multifaceted. You yeah, know, that's right. Apps, yeah. Alan is a phenomenal guitar player. So uh, you know, when uh, when we've got some of these these other anthems that we play, that'll that'll be on album two. Uh, you know, it'll it'll feature a lot of Alan's guitar. Hopefully, we'll there. see in this song a long deep breath of sadness was one of those unintentional things as well. It was something I was playing around with on, on the guitar while everybody was talking and setting up and stuff like that. And and it was just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what? And it's just let's let's work on that. And it became that quick four minute song and it just kinda sold us. We were there, just- Yeah. Yeah. It was it was weird just how it came about. And there's also a couple of uh of demos at the end of that song where we just go fucking heavy just mm-hmm. you know four four just heavy 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 guitars kind of in that same pattern yeah. but we've thought about maybe later down the line putting 
putting a little snippet on the end of that maybe yeah maybe awesome so you mentioned the butcher will be coming well so this is the thing obviously album number two is coming out and you mentioned before the butcher will make an appearance at some other point but not on that album right so right now it's predominantly exclusive to the desert records compilation now what about the other two will that be on number two or is that exclusive to yeah it'll be it'll be exclusive to the legends of the desert great so get that guys it's on pre-order right now yeah (laughs) that's uh that will be the only recordings of those songs uh as so those those tracks are exclusive and yeah just the the crazy thing about this band is we just we have so much material and so much good material like we got together last night two nights ago and you know for the first time in a long time so we just we have so much material so for us to be able to to give exclusive songs to a compilation well and we've got five guys in our band and, and they're all phenomenal musicians our bass player used to be a guitar player Steven, his guitar playing just blows my mind. Mm. The things that come out of his guitar <laughs> just are just mind blowing. And and so it's like he's bringing stuff to the table. And then, you know, you've got you've got Chris, who, you know, is not just a drummer. He's he's a producer. You know, we call him. He's our like our Rick Rubin here. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, he's kind of all over the place and he hears things and and contributes. He contributes a lot to when I'm in the booth and I'm recording vocals he's in there with me and he's, and he's telling me, you know, I've heard you do it better. I've heard you, you know, maybe try this, maybe, you know, going up on this part of, instead of bringing the vocal down, bring the vocal up and hold it in this range. Mm. And, you know, and he kind of directs me that way. So there's just so many people, yeah. you know, that are just contributing so much good material that it's like, you know, it just flows. And when, every time we get together, it just flows more and we have to tell each other, Look, today we are just going to practice our set. No writing music tonight at all. Yeah. We're just we're just writing, you know, playing our music tonight, you know. So it's a good problem to have. Oh yeah, I love that. You totally like answered a question I had written down too, which was so you know, you're a five piece band and you your process is very you explained it to me. You're all in a room, right? And yeah. um these five to eleven minute jams is a very collaborative effort, which I really like. Are you predominantly the wordsmith, Alan, or other, does everybody help write the words or? I predominantly okay. write the lyrics, but occasionally, you know, when we're sitting around, somebody will think they heard something that I said, did you say this? And I go, no, goes, but that sounds cool though. So I'm going to use that. And so I write that down. And um, so, but most, for the most part, you know, they kind of leave that to me to put the words together and, and, and I love doing it. And, yeah. and we, we really don't, need to give him input because the shit this guy comes up with like on the fly it, it blows our mind and like it, it, again going back to us just writing and stuff just flows like we'll just jam something and he'll come in and sing a, a melody or a line or just something like so off the wall that you wouldn't think goes there but it, it fits so it's uh you know, it's very cool. But going back to the lyric, you know, component, he he does the majority of it. But if we have, you know, as you had mentioned, recommendations or, hey, I don't really like this word, you know, specifically. So can you, you know, do something else here? And he's yeah. he's totally open, you yeah, know, open yeah. to it. But we we rarely, you know, give input on on that because he's he's a wordsmith and he, he's yeah. phenomenal. Very dark lyrics. and poetic and. Yeah. yeah it sinks your soul i love it it's good stuff <laughs> what i love thank you very much what i love is um i'm always generally the last one to show up to rehearsal not because i'm like because you know, you're waking and baking <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> i have you know i have a long commute to get there and so um i'm always the last one to show up but what's really cool is there's been a few times where as I'm walking through the front door, coming down to the rehearsal room, I can hear them all jamming something that I've never heard before. And I don't know if it's like, we've talked about this. We sat around and tried to have these conversations. We're like, you know, where are these songs coming from? Like, like it almost feels unnatural. Like it's coming from like the ether because I'll, I come down and, and I just hear what they're doing and it just immediately inspires me. I grab the mic and I just start doing something. And, um, and it, it eventually becomes what it is. Like the first time it's like, we, we we jam it out the first time and we're like, we don't ever want to change this. This is the way it's going to be. And, and we wonder like sometimes where that comes from, you know? I love that. Well, yeah. 
a cool thing on that when you know kind of going back to the todd you know component when i was first talking to him because you know i hit him up and i was like dude we want to we want to work with you but we have here's a 11 minute song which was red giant star and here's uh you know a nine minute long song so when i hit him up you know he and i had the opportunity to chat with him he said one of the first things he asked me and probably one of the most important things was he goes who do you write these songs for and you know i sat there and thought about it for a moment and i said we write these songs for for us like we don't write these songs to fit into you know, a radio box. I mean, we've had people come to us and say, Hey, you know, write a three minute long song or write this or that. And we'll get you on the radio. And it's not that we don't want to, or, or, or we've had radio stations say, we love your song. Yeah. And we just can't play it on the radio because it's too long. And we're just like, wow. Yeah. And it's not that we're, we're pretentious though, either. It's like we, you know, if, if a song's two minutes, we'll put it out. It's yeah. two minutes. If yeah. it's, you know, three minutes, we'll, or 10 minutes, whatever it is. But you know, kind yeah. of going back to the the whole thing with, you know, that kind of struck me with Todd was, you know, who do we write these songs for? And it was like, we write them for us. And that's just when we get together and and we hit go, you know, whatever comes out, it's just like, wow, it's crazy. It's but, magic. It feels like magic. Yeah. yeah. It feels like you that, feel it in your, your stomach. Like it's like this burning, you know, butterflies and and you feel this euphoria and it's like this connection of five individuals almost like being in that present moment and just all contributing to this one collective thing and it's Mm. it's beautiful to us and and to me and it's it's almost like a form of meditation or that's great i love how authentic you are uh, about that and who knows you know that's how rush made it right (laughs) the six minute you know the piss track for the dj and it became this like phenomenon so um but no that's cool There's, there's nothing better than sticking to what you believe in and the art that fulfills you so that's amazing on your one sheet that you sent uh, with your self-titled album, you mentioned that some band members have previously supported national touring acts. So what members are those and what opening bands were they a part of? Um, so I used to play in a band with our guitar player, Phil, um, before this band. Um, and we were called Downright Blue. And we were kind of like a blues rock band. And we opened here in Salt Lake. We, we opened here at our amphitheater. We played with ZZ Top and the Stray Cats and the Pretenders, they were all there. And we got to open the show. Mainly how it happened was we're really good friends with uh, a radio DJ there and here in Salt Lake. And he called us up and he said, hey, um, so ZZ Top doesn't want to go out on stage until the, it's dark and there's still kind of a bit of time. So they want another band to come in and play if you guys want to do it. And we're like, well, of course. Yeah, yeah, we're down. And so it's like, all right, get down here. Um, you know, we got down there and we, we got to play that. So um, we've done that. And then in the past, I I was in other bands and I've opened for other, you know, acts like, you know, I, I remember playing here in Salt Lake. We opened for Didi Ramon when he was, you know, around playing and, you know, stuff like that. I played open for Ted Nugent back in the day and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been around the block a little bit. You know? Nice. Very cool. Yeah. And, uh, way back in the day. So during the downright blue days with uh, Phil and Alan. I was in another uh, rock band, kind of more modern rock band called uh, Monarch here locally. And, uh, you know, we, again, the same radio connection. We, you know, he, we hit it off with uh, with that guy and just didn't really have an opportunity to, to tour per se. But, you know, same scenarios. Um, you know, we had the opportunity to, to play shows with Shinedown, with uh, Hailstorm, Lacuna Coil, uh, Scott Weiland of Stone Temple Pilots was a was a doozy, but a, a, a great show. You know, so that band and, and then coincidentally during that whole time, like we had known each other 15 years back, uh, just playing, you know, side by sides like we, we had. We opened for each other. Yeah, just his band used to open for my band. My band would open for his band. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, we, we kind of had fallen off track, uh, you know, connection wise until years later, Phil, we had an ad in a local, you know, it was, I, I don't even remember what it was, but like our, our similar likes were there, you know, influenced by, you know, this band, this band, and the one band coincidentally that stood out was Rival Sun. So I, was, I think it was KSL, like a local yeah. classified ad. Yeah. 
and going back to kind of how we all got together, I guess I'm going down that road. But that's uh, fine. Actually, I was going to ask that. So <laughs> it's like only like one question. Actually, yeah, like one question away. So cool. Lay it on me. Um, how yeah, you guys met those, the ad? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, those those shows for those national acts side by side, and then yeah, lost track. And Phil and I connected because of this. You know, again, what's your you know influences rival sons and so i get this text randomly out of the blue and it was hey i heard you're a drummer you like rival sons what uh you know what do you like about them blah 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 i was like and i think i had just recently seen them and we kind of connected that way you know and we're just kind of chatting back and forth and it got down to you know finding out that it was somebody in downright blue and i'm like holy shit well who is this and he goes it's phil and i'm like well fuck phil it's chris carito and we he had been wanting to reach out to me and it just kind of came full circle to another side band that we had called Sundown River right before the Penitent Man. It was me on drums, Alan on vocals, Phil on guitar, and another dude on bass. As that was kind of coming down to a close, uh, Phil and I were having this side conversation because uh, I really started realizing that he loved the, the heavier rock, like the stoner, doom, you know, rock and we, uh, you know, were starting to go to a lot of the same shows while we were playing in Sundown River. And I was actually in a band after Monarch, a really heavy band, uh, you know, similar to like Isis and, and whatnot called Holdra that uh, was here locally. So I had a lot of influence from playing seven years with those dudes here and, you know, really on that heavy side. So I was like, dude, why aren't we, you know, Phil and I doing a a stoner rock, heavy rock, you know, band. And so he and I had this little side thing going and then Alan <laughs> found out about well, it. Well, we were, we were sitting in the rehearsal room and I hear this conversation going on and he says something about, you know, the penitent man. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and he looks at me, he goes, you've never heard of the penitent man. And I'm like, no, what is it? And he's like, Phil and I have been writing some secret songs together <laughs> and uh, we've got, We've got them pretty much done and they're just total doom stoner rock music and i'm like why am i just hearing about this now <laughs> i said no more secret bands <laughs> I'm like, no more secret bands and i'm like i want in and, and she said you want in and i'm like yeah i'd like to be in and he's like well, i didn't know you wanted to be in i'm like well yeah i want to be in <laughs> and so that's kind of how it came to be and then they kind of sent me the songs um just a quick demo of the instrumentals and then i just went home and went to my own home studio and threw them down and put some vocals down. And then I wrote out the lyrics and came to practice. And I'm like, I got lyrics and melodies for these songs. If you want to give them a roll and we tried them out and yeah. it worked. They were like, oh. And that was, that was the three of us. Yeah. And we, we had known Steve, uh, the other uh, Steve King, the other guitar player, uh, Phil had known him through work and Ethan and I, cause Ethan, my, my brother who plays bass, he, like I mentioned, he's originally a guitar player. So growing up, we were like 18 months apart and we, we hated each other yeah. growing up. So when we started playing music, I went total classic rock. He went total alternative and we never like never jammed until we were, you know, late later, uh, you know, adults. So Ethan and Steve and I, had this little side gig going and so we all had all were kind of yeah all these secret bands jamming and so when we started like the penitent man so again it was the three of us we're like steve you play uh guitar and then we're like who do we have on bass and you know finding that key member because we're all family as well we're, we're you know we're we're really close our all of our you know wives and friends are, are really close-knit and so it was like, who do we bring in this fifth person finding the right bass player? And I went to Phil and I said, dude, let's just ask Ethan to play bass. <laughs> he was like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, he's probably a good guitar player, but I don't know if he could play bass. I said, just let me ask him. So I go to Ethan. I'm like, hey, you want to uh, you want to come play bass in the Penitent Man? He goes, fuck no. <laughs> I'm like, why not? He goes, I'm, I'm not a bass player. I said, okay. And I sent him the tracks and he, he listened to him. He's like, okay. So he came down the first practice had everything locked in. in that first time, the five of us jammed, it was boom. It was like, all right, this is, this is the penitent man. I think after that first jam, I think Ethan was, he was all right. Like I'm a bass player. I'm a bass player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
he's he's destined to be a bass player yeah. so so props to that guy but that's what's amazing about the dynamic of our band is that the rhythm and the heart and soul of our band are brothers blood related brothers that are just on that rhythm you know and so it's that's what makes it such a beautiful thing when we're writing music because they communicate to each other because they're brothers like just with looks and gestures and they know exactly what they're thinking each other's thinking um Ethan just basically directs Chris like a symphony when we're playing and, and vice versa. They're just, they yeah. give a look and they know, okay, we're going to go one longer on this or he'll give them a look. Okay. We're going to do this, you know? And so it's really cool to have that tight knit. Yeah. Heartbeat, that's you know? neat. Especially saying that he was the last member of the band to join. So yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You had a great 2020 then, uh, you know, releasing those two records and um there's more down the line and i'm super stoked for it so yeah. is there anything well, else that you want to add about the penitent man for anybody else in podcast land because i have some rapid fires up yeah. next <laughs> yeah you know i'd like to uh throw out the pre-order that's going mm-hmm. on now for legends of the desert volume two you can head over to our Bandcamp site so the penitentman.bandcamp.com uh, you could pre-order that album there. Also, in addition to that, we put out some, you know, pretty cool merch. And, you know, as you had mentioned, you got the the little care package. So appreciate the display on that. But we yeah. got, uh, you know, we got some great merch that is is there for purchase. We've got, uh, you know, our self-titled record as well. Live at Pale Horse Sound that's uh, digital download. So, you know, a lot of great stuff over there. So yeah, if you uh, can hit that up, that would uh, be appreciated. We're also, uh, you know, on Instagram or uh, on Facebook, you know, just find the Penitent Man band and uh, should pop up. Yeah, perfect. And I love how um, you have different color variations of the record on three platforms, right? Yours has the orange splatter, which I grabbed. Uh, It looks dope and I can't wait to see it spinning on my player. And there's this creepy, cool color variation on Desert Records, Bandcamp, and then Cortege has their own as well, which is cool. And speaking on your merch, can you explain or talk about the uh, imagery that keeps popping up with that skull is it like something personal or you just dig out looks or and then that little triangle with the pm i think that's kind of because at first i was like what is that that i saw the pm in it (laughs) the skull is kind of you know kind of revolved around one of the songs off the debut album of called buffalo Mm -hmm. um we kind of once again we were when we write songs we like tell these stories to each other what you know like these crazy fantasy stories about what these songs are about (laughs) and so we created this buffalo and so we just wanted to use that buffalo skull as kind of the imagery for the album um we needed some kind of a logo to represent who we were we didn't want it to to say the penitent man or whatever we kind of wanted we kind of i kind of like the whole like when i was remember growing up when i was younger i'd see like the nine inch nails logo Mm -hmm. and i'm like what does that mean you know and and so i wanted to kind of just do the same type of thing you know just kind of give you a little bit of a lure like what is that you know try, just kind of trying to figure it out just like you did so yeah i love yeah. it i think a cool thing uh you know we we don't have one specific logo per se mm-hmm. i think that skull and that uh you know pm triangle is is more driven towards you know that that self-titled yeah. album yeah. um you know we've got for this this upcoming album you know kind of going back to that that second album we've got in the works uh, you know, we've got some concepts with that. So we might do a lot of imagery tied around to, you know, some of those characters again, like with, uh, you know, the butcher, uh, even though it's on this compilation, it'll tie to a couple of songs that'll be on the, um, you know, the second album. So even imagery, you know, from that. So, you know, I think we're, we're fluid with, with a lot of our logos, our images. I know we got a lot out there, but you know, it's all I think about evolution, kind of right? It's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever, um, you know, visually represents what's happening at the moment. So it's cool. Yeah. I dig it. And I, it's, it's like a very powerful image. And I just, I loved wearing it around, like when you sent it, sent it to me. So thanks. You <laughs> love it. Cool. So if you're ready, I'm ready for some rapid fire questions. Cause I just like to be silly and connect with people on different levels too. All right. So yeah. what would be your strategy for a zombie apocalypse? Uh, head to the mountains. 
mountains, just, just like had, in the open mountains or in a house I would, or I would probably, probably a cabin up okay. in the mountains. Yeah. That's probably where I'd go and just self-sustain living up there. Um, I would rely heavily on my younger children to give me direction because they've watched all that Walking Dead shit. <laughs> any of it. So uh, Zach and Cameron, you will be uh, I'm, I'm using your strategy. So I'll uh, I'll just be there. They've got all the weapons planned out and shit. So yeah. whatever they recommend, I'll probably follow. Yeah, I love that. I'd probably go to my parents because, like, they have an absurd amount of cabinets filled with food. Like, I don't know. Like, they definitely hit up the ShopRite can-can sale or whatever. So I'd probably go there. (laughs) Plus, my dad uh, used to hunt. So there's definitely some artillery going on. But um, cool. That's awesome. Uh, Dead or alive, what famous or influential person would you want to sit down and have dinner with? Uh, Jeff Buckley, 100%. Yeah. What would you ask him or talk to him about? I would just, I would just probably want to connect on, on a level of his writing, um, you know, because I really look at Jeff Buckley as a poet. You know, he was a guitar player and he was an amazing guitar player, but I always looked at him as a poet, and I would just probably want to just, you know, get into his brain a little bit and see where he was coming from. So yeah, Jeff Buckley for sure. Cool. Very well, John Bonham. Ooh. And I. I don't know if I would talk drums with him because I was so obsessed with him over the years. Like I know fucking everything about him. So I just would, I, I think it'd be cool to just have a beer with them. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure talk, we talk about, about zombie about apocalypses and yeah, stuff. <laughs> like I'm doing right now with you guys. I just, yeah, I just love that different kind of uh, how you can have a conversation yeah. about something random with someone that is so inspiring, but yeah. But bottom, bottom for me is the, you know, I, I heard Zeppelin when I was younger and just blew my mind and went down that rabbit hole. So again, it was, he's, he's the most influential uh, man musically for me. So yeah. That's cool. I'm a pretty big Zeppelin fan. What's, uh, if you could give me just a couple top tracks that we could nerd over that you dig the, the most, like what's your go-to like three Led Zeppelin songs? Mine would be so the first song that blew me away. The second I heard it I was it is. "Go Go." Lee's <laughs> last stand. No, close. It's that's top three. So number one would be "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You." Oh, yeah. Okay. I heard that song, and I remember that it that was the moment. I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck did I just find? So, <laughs> "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You." Achilles' last stand. You're right, and then. Uh, since I've been loving you, because that was the first song as a kid learning to play the drums. I never took lessons. You know, again, I heard Zeppelin. I was like, I got to do what that dude does. So since I've been loving you was the first song by Zeppelin I could play from start to finish without any screw ups, major screw ups. So sick. Cool. So those great. <laughs> what was the first concert you ever attended? Uh, we just talked about this. We had a- <laughs> We had a text conversation about this the other day. You guys did. I was busy working. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Mine was Kenny Rogers. Uh, Okay. When I was was young, my parents took me to that. And um, yeah, that was my first one. It was great. Mine was uh, 1994. I was 14 years old. And my parents dropped me off at the Rice Eccles Stadium. So University of Utah football stadium by myself with a giant brick cell phone. (laughs) And I had this big Philadelphia Eagles jacket on at the time because yeah. I was, yeah. Billy fan right here. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. So it had, you know, it was green and had the, the eagle on the back, old school style. And I went and saw the Rolling Stones. Oh, wow. Cool. The Voodoo, the Voodoo Lounge Tour. My uh, A good friend of mine growing up, his dad was a big stones fan and as i started learning music he's like do you want to go see the stones i'm like yes i do and i had no idea who they were went and saw that show as a as a kid and so yeah it, it was a it was a good first very cool i love that so i think that should do it that's all i got for you in the arsenal of questions <laughs> so thank True. you yeah thank you so much for joining me on your saturday i know you both work and have families and you know in addition to making music so i appreciate it so much <laughs> you having us yeah of course is there anything is there anything else that you'd want to add or 
outside of, you know, go out, support us, go support Brandy is going to hell. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> she is awesome. She is awesome. So go, uh, you know, go, go find her on all the streaming platforms. So Thanks. go support her. You're making me blush. Thank you. <laughs> awesome show. We're honored uh, to be, to be a part of it. So thank you very much. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so much for listening to Brandy is Going to Hell. You hitting play and sharing an episode is helping me put awesome artists and musicians on a pedestal. As I have went on about before, this podcast is a passion project of mine that I crawl into my lair on weeknights after work and on the weekends, prepping, recording, and producing all my own, except... Shout out to Ryan Hanratty of Frosted Green Productions for helping me out with the video portion of the show. Please check out some past episodes of Brandy is Going to Hell and follow me everywhere online at Brandy Lucas. That's Brandy with an I, Lucas with a K, except on TikTok. That's at Brandy is Going to Hell for updates on new episodes and everything else musical going on in my world. Up next on April 28th, I'll have Simon McBride, a singer-songwriter, producer, and guitarist from Belfast. And he's the guitarist for Ian Gillen and Don Airy, so keep your ears peeled for that. Until then, compliment someone today. They're free, and they make you and others feel good. Bye-bye. Thank you, yes you, for listening to Brandy is Going to Hell. I have a lot more thank yous in order for making the show come alive. I want to thank Celeste Giuliano for her amazing pinup photography. I dreamed of having my photographs taken by her in order to make my podcasting dreams come to life. So thank you, Celeste, and your team for making me look like a hot mama. Thanks to Crystal Rugel for her design direction for my new logo. Spent many nights texting her late. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And she was such a great resource. Shout out and many thanks to Ryan Hanratty at Frosted Green Productions for all video production. My man, definitely don't want to be fucking with video and you've saved my life. My amazing husband, Mike Airy, for always believing in me and bridging the gap between me and amazing artists. I love you and you're my rock. St. Neat's hardcore band Impact for the music throughout the show. You can check out their EP Strength Through Loyalty on every streaming service. My friend Gooch, a.k.a. Ryan Nelson, for always asking me, when's a new show coming out? My friend Matt Young, who got my foot into the door as an intern at Indigoot, which led me to my first career in music at Q Prime. So a major shout out goes to Doug O'Swandle as well for giving me a chance and hiring me there. My dad, John Lucas, for raising me with an impeccable taste in music. And my mom, Beth Ann Lucas, for helping me be a functional adult with good credit. Last but not least, Brandy is Going to Hell is dedicated to my badass grandmom, Elizabeth Betty Fowler.